Welcome to the Obesity Medicine Podcast with your host, Dr. Matea Rentia, board certified in internal medicine and obesity medicine. Here, we talk about a path to metabolic health, and we have real conversations about chronic weight management and living a full life. Just a reminder, I am a physician, but I'm not your physician. So everything that's on this podcast is for informational purposes, but please go talk to your doctor about what's right for you. There is no medical advice being given on this podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today is going to be another one of those heavy hitter episodes because we did a few weeks ago an episode on protein and so many of you told me how much you enjoyed that episode. And I think that there are some topics that are just hard for people and it's getting enough protein, it's getting enough fiber, it's getting that strength training in and navigating certain side effects if you are on the anti-obesity medications. Now, this topic is relevant even if you're not on a medication because a lot of people struggle with constipation. I know having come from a primary care background, there are certain things that you pretty much cannot go a day without managing multiple times. And those type of things include things like constipation, mental health, things like depression, musculoskeletal, things like back pain. So constipation is something that if you have a clinician that has spent any time in primary care or any time sort of in GI health or obesity medicine, all of those intersections most of us all day long are dealing with constipation and also any other field, right? Because I always say it's the same patient that is being dealt with everywhere. So let's have a moment here. Number one, whenever it comes to constipation, again, everything here is for general educational purposes and always please talk to your doctor. We're going to talk about a few things in general. The one thing that I really want to encourage you though is that if you like these kind of topics and these kind of deep dives and sort of if you want even more information compared to what I sort of briefly talk about on here, really getting into the details. I have a mini course now and it's called Optimizing Fat Loss and Maintaining Muscle While on a GLP-1. And part of what I dig into there is getting enough fiber. That's actually one of the modules that I go through. And in addition to that, I've thrown in a bonus a bonus here that was part of my blood sugar mastermind when I did a whole hour where I had two experts. They are both my sisters <laughs> that are in the medical field. And I had them come in and talk about both over-the-counter medications as well as more supplements and different things we could eat. And so we really went in depth and I stuck that bonus into that mini course. So if you're someone that you want to learn in a whole lot more detail, you also want to have handouts where it's like, hey, these are the high fiber foods in all these different categories. Try all these different things. Let's try this, try that. There are all these different things you could think about. You will get a lot. I'm calling it a mini course just because it's not you know, 50 hours worth of listening, but who even wants that anymore? <laughs> so part of this mini course is going to be on constipation. So again, we have some handouts in there. And the one unique thing, if you don't know about this course that I have yet, this mini course, it's really meant for someone that either is going to start a GLP-1 or you're already on one, you want to fine tune things. What's really unique about this course is that you can leave questions and I will answer them either in a monthly Q&A call, or I will make a little video response to the question and kind of what my thoughts are for the answer. And there's a question and answer video bank that you can go through and that will accumulate over time. So while you're in there for a year, there's always going to be a lot of questions that people are asking and you'll continue to learn things as we go because everyone has a unique scenario. I'll give you an example. I'll sometimes have people say, I just really don't like to eat veggies. What do I do in that scenario? And so either me or my dietitians, we can kind of walk you through what our answers would be. Okay. So that the link for that is in the show notes here. If you ever have any questions about that for 
this episode in particular, you can go to rentiaclinic.com forward slash blog. And when you see this episode about fiber, you can look. We always have a blog post that really writes out a lot of the different points that I make in the episodes, and it'll have a link to this specific course. I'm really in love with the course. It's funny, all my patients that come in, I'm like, start with this course. It, in the most succinct way possible, breaks it down for them. It's what I always wish that everybody knew. And what's funny is my first visit with patients are an hour and that's on top of, sorry, we're going to go left field for a second because this helps you understand how important this course is. They already, prior to seeing me, fill out about 16 pages worth of intake paperwork, right? So I've already reviewed all that. I'm meeting them. I've met them in a meet and greet before. So I know all of that. We still, in the first visit, I couldn't get to all these kind of points that I wanted them to know. And so I go over maybe the risks and the benefits of the medication, things like that. But I can't get into the nitty gritty. And so I literally have my patients listen to this course. Okay, so not to overstate the benefit, let's get into talking a little bit about fiber today. So why are we going to care about fiber? Number one, we're only going to care more about your dietary fiber if you're someone that either already has constipation as a challenge or you are starting to increase medications and you're noticing it's a problem for you. Oftentimes, if there's not a problem, we don't need to create a problem. I'm going to give you an example that some people don't struggle with constipation, but if you really do a dietary audit on them, they're actually already incorporating a lot of things that make it such that they don't have constipation. So I don't want you to think that some people are more privileged than others. Yes, genetics can either influence you or not to the gut being a little bit more stopped up compared to others, but also some people just are gravitating toward things that support their gut health more or not. So by the way, how do you even know if you have constipation? Constipation is a clinical diagnosis, means that it's something that you tell the physician that it's not just that you don't go for a day or two. In fact, uh, only uh, 80% of people will go will go to the bathroom a bowel movement daily, but about one out of five, you might go two or three days in between. And again, you know, up to a few days, that's actually not a problem. Constipation is when you find that you are maybe getting lower abdominal pain. Maybe you're getting cramping because your body wants to move this stuff along, but it can't. Maybe when you're on the toilet, you need to strain really hard. That's called Valsalva. Maybe you see little stars. Maybe it's painful when it comes out. Maybe you get some bleeding because you're getting hemorrhoids and fissures. So that that is when we really start to think about constipation. So it's when it causes a challenge for you. It's when it causes a problem. So let's say that this is a challenge for you, or you know that you might be starting on one of these anti-obesity medications. The ones where I see the constipation happening the most, they're in that GLP-1 family. So whether that be daily Saxenda, weekly Wagovi or Ozempic, or weekly Manjaro or Zepbound now. So again, it's within that class that I'm seeing the most constipation. And it makes sense because the gut motility is slowed down. So stuff is sticking around more. So what are things that we can do that can help that out more? So when we're thinking about constipation, it's things like making sure there's enough water, that people are moving. And one of the other things that we really think about are fiber. And again, I go through a lot of this in more detail within the course that I'm doing. But when we think about fiber, so just in general, we I'm just going to talk to women for a second because women are majority of who's listening to me right now. For women, we want about 25 grams is great, but 30 is better. So you can start out again. You guys know how much I'm a fan of you all doing a nutrition audit, and it's not in the name of being restrictive or feeling like we're on Weight Watchers and counting points. That's the opposite of what we're doing. But we're just trying to get a little assessment of where you're at. So I would just see on average, so do three days up to seven days, whatever you can handle, and I, when you average it out, dividing by however many days there were, what's the amount of fiber that you get? What's really interesting is most of my patients that come in are around 15 grams of fiber, one five. What's interesting about this is 
they inevitably, if they're at that amount, they're going to end up getting constipation as we either put them on a medication or increase. If we can get ahead of a problem, it's always better than waiting for you to have this crippling constipation and you not wanting to take the medication. Okay, so now that you know you figured out how do I figure out if I need if I need to be even worried about this, you know, symptom-wise, what, how can I assess kind of where I'm at? And then you know maybe where you want to get to. The question always becomes, okay, how do I get this fiber? And again, I, I can only on this podcast do so much in these in these topics. So again, that bonus call goes through so much of this, okay? Like literally the mechanics of all of this. But the point is there are different ways to get fiber. And the the uh, challenging and frustrating thing is that everybody responds differently. So let's just go through a few of these. So number one, people think of things like fiber gummies. Okay, I don't necessarily have a problem with you using these. I just don't see people getting amazing results. The other problem with fiber gummies is if you look at sort of how they produce these, they put the fiber and all of this together in the mixing process. And you really don't know when you're getting the gummy, if it has the amount of fiber or not, because a lot of that might have fallen to the bottom of the gelatinous material that they use. And so there's not a guarantee. And this is with all supplements. There, Unless you really know the company and what they're doing behind the scenes, how often they're testing, you really can't guarantee that that gummy actually has it in it. So you end up basically just having like a glorified candy experience <laughs> and it's not really doing much for your stool. So I'm actually not such a big fan of the fiber gummies. Um, the next area I think about are supplements over the counter like Beta Fiber and Metamucil. Those can work in some scenarios for people. And then I like to, to think more about fiber coming from fruits, veggies, legumes, things like beans, um, whole grains, and then again, some other little random categories. But how I like to do this to keep this easy with people, if someone is either headed into a GLP-1 or they're struggling with this, I like to start with, are you getting enough water? And then number two, are you getting some type of a fiber source with every meal or snack? So I don't care if that is that with breakfast, you normally like to have eggs. And now you're like, all right, I'll stick some green beans or a little bit of cucumber next to it or half an avocado, right? Whatever you need to do to get some fiber next to that. And again, it's going to change the way you're eating a little bit. If you're just not used to, maybe you like to do a yogurt in the morning, but it just doesn't have any fiber. So in the same way that we're looking with every meal or snack is protein involved, we're going to we're gonna want to look as well as fiber involved. So that's my main thing. Most people, if they're doing that, again, they don't end up having challenges. Now, let's say that you're doing that and you're like, but I still have challenges. So you've looked at your audit and you're figuring out how much more to get. And honestly, the biggest struggle is what do I pick? People just don't know what's high in fiber. So I'm going to give you, again, just like a few ideas here today, but there's no way that I can go over all of this because it's just so extensive. And so, again, I'm always going to recommend that this be an area where you meet with a skilled either registered dietitian or if you know a nutritionist that really has an area that supports this. Again, it, it depends on their level of expertise and what they can provide, but they can go over for your particular taste palette and preferences. How could you get this in? But... When I think about fruits, I think about things like apples. Pears are another really good source. Pears are not something that I'm hearing people eat all the time, right? They're not, they're not the darling favorite. 
but they have a very good amount of fiber. When I'm thinking about veggies, I'm thinking about things like broccoli. When I'm thinking about things like legumes or beans, I mean, really any beans can do this. Some people really like chickpeas. Again, some of these sources, the reason that some people don't eat them as often is they're really worried about the carbohydrate content in them. But remember, whenever we're combining fiber and protein with that carbohydrate, the glycemic load, meaning how much our sugar goes up, it is greatly reduced down how high that blood sugar curve is. So that's why I really encourage my patients to not shy away from things like like chickpeas because they tend to be something that actually gives a great source of carb, but also we're getting that protein and fiber. I also think about avocados. So avocados are an interesting one. Avocados have 10 grams of fiber. And so maybe you don't eat the whole avocado, right? It can be quite calorie dense. However, even if you're having half of an avocado, it really gets you a far way to your goal. And let's see what else do I have on here. Of course, there are things like like hemp hearts and chia seeds and you know different whole grain products. Something else that people can consider with fiber, and this works for some people and doesn't work for others. That's why it's not like 100% you have to go do this. But there are some products that they are processed. So definitely a company has sat down and said, look, we want to get the protein and the fiber in there but they can still taste really good. One of my most recent obsessions here, <laughs> I've probably talked about it on the, the, the protein episode, are these, they're called the Better Bagel. And they have 25 grams of protein and it's over 30 grams of fiber and things like that. And in fact, it's like you might not even need to eat a whole one. Maybe you eat a half of one, right? Because it's like too much for you at one time. It makes your stomach hurt. Remember with fiber, it's a slow game. We don't go from where you are to all the way up overnight. And again, I go through much more of this in the course, kind of what my what my thoughts are there. Because all of these things sound easy, but executed in the right way, you get amazing results. And if you do it in a way that doesn't make sense, it 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 ends up where you feel like, oh, that that didn't work for me. But it's really because you either did it too quickly, like you jumped 10 levels higher when you should have started with one. So let's see here. So coming back to coming back to kind of everything that I had on here. So once you have your water and you consider, am I going to be doing either a fiber gummy, Benefiber Metamucil? Am I going to get those veggies in? Other things to consider for if we're talking about constipation that might be developing would be things like Miralax or Docusate Senna, magnesium, things like that. Again, I go over all of that within my course. And I just, it's just one of those scenarios where I feel like it needs to have enough due diligence behind it for me to talk about it without, it's just one of those scenarios where I feel like if you want to hear those details, that's a good place to come. All right. So let's just talk about in general, let's say you're doing all these things and they're not working out for you. Talk to your doctor. It's not just about upping this fiber content for you to 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 get the results that you want. Sometimes it matters. There's a concept of soluble and insoluble fiber. And again, I'm not a dietitian, so I'm not going to go all the way down this rabbit hole. But I know enough to tell you that if you're struggling with this, it's 100% worth getting an opinion on this of what can be changed. Because often it's just a matter of switching up what you're eating, how you're eating it, all those kind of things for you to get better results. So I hope that this gives you some ideas for fiber. Maybe you hadn't thought of, oh yeah, whole grains count or this counts or that counts. And often this is where you know, it's helpful to look at the nutrition labels on things. And while I'm not a fan of tracking all day long and sort of making this an overly involved process because it just doesn't last long term, but I think a period of education to figure out, oh yeah, that that I could do this or I could do that. I think that these are 
good ideas to kind of lock away. So I hope you got some great ideas today. Again, if you want to learn in a lot more detail and kind of be able to ask me stuff or have a few more handouts, kind of just have a little bit of a deeper level here, I think that would be a really great time to do that mini course. So we'll have the link down below for that optimal fat loss and maintaining your muscle on a GLP-1. And this is what it's part of. The one last thing that I didn't touch on with this getting enough fiber, because I think I got so distracted by the constipation side, which is what I see so often, is that fiber helps to keep our gut microbiome healthy. And so if you have not heard this concept before, we need to do a whole podcast episode on it, but I want to bring on an expert that can talk more about this. So that that's to come in this year that's on my list, because it's something that we talked a lot about in this blood sugar mastermind that I did recently. I did a little members only podcast for them on it. And it was, it's fascinating how our gut microbiome works. So if you've never heard about our gut microbiome before, we have in our gut millions, I think actually billions of bacteria. And so it's not that food just aimlessly comes in and out. These bacteria are actually processing our food in certain ways and doing different things. And what's interesting is the higher the weight set point, the more off the ratio is, meaning it's actually opposite the gut bacteria. And so no one knows, is it that the gut bacteria is off and so you gain weight or does that cause the weight gain or does the weight gain cause it the other way? Who knows? But We know that to support the gut microbiome in the direction that we want it to be, you need to get that fiber. So the prebiotic, the probiotic, all these type of things that are coming into the gut microbiome matter. So meaning, what are these bacteria feasting on? It might be very different if they're getting a processed food, not as helpful. If they are getting some of these whole foods, they act very differently. And so this is one of the reasons why when people come into work with me, everyone is so obsessed with calories in and calories out. And you just can't make a soundbite that's long enough online to explain to people the intersection of all of these concepts, right? That it's actually that if your gut microbiome is off, you're actually absorbing calories at a different rate. That's scary, right? To think that you, compared to the person next to you, maybe they've never struggled with their weight. You are literally eating the same amounts and you are absorbing more of the calories because because your gut microbiome is not doing great. And so a lot of what I work with my patients on is making sure that they nutritionally are supporting themselves in a way that we at this moment think to be helpful. And it's something that, of course, it's always going to change. I mean, this stuff's always evolving. I'm doing continuing medical education every week, right? You can never know enough. (laughs) And if you have a clinician that thinks they know everything, that's problem number one. So, (laughs) So this field is always evolving, But how you're eating, it really matters. And so I don't want you to give up on that continued learning and experimentation with what works in your body and how do you feel. And so sometimes if your gut microbiome is really rocking and rolling along, you're not having as much gas and bloating and you just feel better. You're not constantly sitting there with a stomach ache, things like that. So I'm going to leave it here because we've gone in so many different directions today. Hopefully you got a few ideas for what to look for, how to either look if you even need more fiber, ideas for how to go about that, and different things you could look into. If you have questions for me, again, the best way here going forward is going to be for you to be in that mini course to ask me underneath the video so I can make a really great answer for you so that it makes sense and it's cohesive for you. All right, I hope you all have a great rest of the week and we'll talk soon.